Hi, I'm Kate. And I'm Ruby. And we're The Duality Project. And you're listening to the Self-Study Podcast. The Duality Project is empowerment from the inside. We seek to live life on purpose so that we can more intentionally and intimately show up in our relationships and our communities. With a healthier perspective on self-development, we offer the self-study program, one-on-one self-study coaching, and this podcast that supports you in bridging the gap between who you want to be and how you actually show up. Through exploration and awareness, you'll discover a deeper understanding of yourself to become happier, healthier, and more grounded. We're so glad you're here. (laughs) Something that goes along with this podcast that you already know about is the self-study program, and we'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But first, let's start with our gratitude practice. Fun. Kate, what are you grateful for about yourself? About myself? Yeah, I got COVID for the third time this week. And um, for starters, I remember the first time I got COVID, I was just like so panicked to like communicate that with anyone else and tell them like, hey, you've been exposed to me. Like it just felt like that felt like so heavy. And then something else that happens to me when I feel sick is like, um, I don't know, then, you know, everybody starts texting you and they're like, how are you feeling? But then it's like when I'm sick, I I don't want to text you back, you know, because I'm sick. And so uh, for the past, like, literally, like, maybe two and a half days, I really have, like, been in the bed. COVID has taken me out, like, every single time. And this time, I had no problem canceling plans and being like, hey, I have COVID. I'm asleep. And um, I had no problem, like, telling the people who I had seen, like, hey, I got COVID. Do with that information what you will. And I had no problem not texting anybody back. And so I just kind of, like... Like today I feel great. I kind of feel like I like waited it out and um, just like gave myself the space that I needed and it felt easy and I didn't have to like force myself to do it. I didn't feel guilty about not texting anybody back. I just let myself be sick. So I'm grateful that, I don't know, I give myself the time that I need sometimes these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you? Well, um, I was talking with my therapist last week a lot about how even though I've come really, really far in my growth around receiving help from people and like allowing support and not trying to do everything on my own, I still notice some like resistance come up. Um, and I'm still kind of working through that about like trying to categorize like when and why, like when and why, you know, is it like a gender role thing? Is it like just like a personally embedded thing? You know, it's definitely tied some to like, if I don't do enough as a partner, then I'm not a good enough partner or whatever. But I feel very grateful that I have come so far in that and that uh, Jake and I have a relational dynamic that feels very easy to be honest with myself and also like with each other and that that creates a space for receiving support. And, like, I had a really busy week last week. My mom was coming in town to, like, at to support my family. Like, my sister lives next door, and uh, we all need a little extra support right now. So she was coming into town, and she needed to be picked up from the airport. And, like, I just started a new job situation thing on the side. <laughs> and you started a new job situation. <laughs> I, and I couldn't, I couldn't fit in my schedule to go get her, but obviously we weren't going to let her, like, get an Uber. And, you know, like, it was just... Uh, hard for me to ask Jake to do that and he was so open and available and willing to do that and I let him and it was very helpful and they had a great 
ride together and you know it's like not a big deal so I feel very grateful for I guess like if I were to make that the gratitude more concise I feel really grateful for my own like softening and allowing in my relationships yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what do you feel grateful for about me (laughs) (laughs) I always love it whichever one of us gets to ask that question first what am I grateful for about you? Um, I have so much trust that it's just like, we've come a long way with this word, like, fine. And there are some times where I'm like, Ruby, you could use it with me. And sometimes <laughs> where I'm like, it's literally not fine. Like, fine fine for, fine. for sometimes means, like, it's good enough. Fine sometimes means, like, yeah, it's good. Like, everything's good. Everything's fine. Like, what do you mean? It's fine. And then fine to me also sometimes means, like, subpar is like not quite it. And I always like that, like, I feel so grateful that no matter the version of fine something is, that we navigate what that means together. It feels to me like we get to use all versions of fine to mean, um, to mean something. And that like, and that, we didn't just decide that like fine is not something that we can say that th- that it's okay that sometimes things are just fine did i tell so, you i was fine earlier <laughs> no you didn't because <laughs> i told my sister that uh when i went downstairs for breakfast and she was like uh-huh. um you're gonna have to tell me more about that like well, clearly you're like maybe not Wouldn't good and i was like me? i'm fine <laughs> i really am fine in like a is it the best day of my life? Not so far. Is it the worst? Yeah. Definitely not. I'm fine. I'm fine. And sometimes it sh- can just be that. But I feel like we've had a big, like, we've been talking about fine for a long time. And it's for no sure. longer, I guess, I guess part of what I feel grateful for you is that it no longer, like, I no longer mean it, use it in, like, a passive-aggressive way. I don't feel like you use it in a passive-aggressive way. Normally, it really means, like, and if you're, and even if somebody like checks in, like, what is that fine? What is that fine? You're able to like go deeper in an understanding of what it is instead of like, oh yeah, it actually means I'm having a fucking shit ass day and it's your fucking fault. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I feel really grateful for that too. And like what that speaks to, I think is like depth in relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, that there is the trust that like, even if whoever's fine like can't go deeper in the moment that there's trust that it'll circle back around you know Mm -hmm. and it's like not anybody's fault and it just like is what it is and like yeah yeah it really just feels like speaks to the depth that I also appreciate yeah and also just like a graciousness that like says like in every single moment of every single thing there doesn't have to be so much anxiety around the specificity of how specifically do you actually feel Because sometimes it's like, oh my God, that question right there is, I feel overwhelmed and I feel fucking annoyed that you are asking me, not you specifically, Ruby, but like that someone is asking me like that I have to like dig deep like for them. And sometimes Mm. I'm really willing to do that. And sometimes I'm like, you kind of asked me to like check in with you and I kind of don't want to do all that right now. And that has to be okay sometimes. And sometimes I feel like, we don't really check in, but, like, you have a sense and I have a sense. And then we just kind of, like, navigate it. And the, the ease and, like, spaciousness that that feels just feels really grounded in trust. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Were you hearing all those dings? No. Good. I just got 13 emails from us. (laughs) 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 Okay. Um, Let me see. Do not disturb. Okay. Ruby, how are you feeling grateful for me? (laughs) I feel very grateful for the quality that you have of just really leaning into wherever you are and whatever the circumstances and like making it like fun and enjoyable and like yours um, as as much as possible. And I think, you know, it's been uh, really nice to see you have space to do more of like for yourself in that way. And so I'm just really grateful for um, – yeah, I, I, I'm I'm trying to make the gratitude vague, but really it's all very specific, you know? Like, Kate recently moved into her childhood home in Virginia, and there's a shared album that she created, which is just really hilarious to me, because you just got to check it to see if she's updated anything, and she's just been put in videos <laughs> of, like, a vlog. <laughs> a vlog of her life, and I just feel so grateful for, yeah, I guess, like, partly the way that you share yourself with others, um, and with me specifically, I love getting to be part of it, and the way that you just, like, I don't, I don't know exactly how to say it, but, like, you have just, like, a playful disposition with life, and so I love, like, you're just, like, I'm making bread, and, like, you know, this wasn't the <laughs> recipe, but now we've got some focaccia with some honey or something, and who knows if it's gonna turn out or whatever, and I'm making quail because my dad brought it over, but, like, I don't know what that means, and it's just, I, I feel so grateful for that openness that you possess and just, like, enjoyment and play with whatever comes up in your life or today you know you're like I buy blueberries I don't really eat blueberries and they were kind of mushy so I made tea (laughs) (laughs) and now look I have this really pretty like it's this let me see if I can pour it in front of the camera so that you can really see the pretty color oh no maybe I drank it all oh it's beautiful yes yeah you know um I think I mean, yes, I think I've always been, like, a little bit like that, but I also will say I have this friend named Taylor, you know, Ruby, that's my friend Taylor, and um, Taylor and I met each other, I think, in 2016, he started coming to the gym, and there is a freedom to Taylor, and, like, a, um, Taylor takes enjoyment, like, really seriously. Like, he's going to enjoy things, and things are going to be comfortable, and he's going to do the extra 45 seconds of work to make something, like, that much better. And um, instead of making something, like, just fine. And I love that about Taylor. And that is, like, a a way that his, like, freedom, I think, has, like, really rubbed off on me. Like, Yeah, why can't, why do I have to get sourdough bread down exactly right until I start making it like my own, like with the ingredients that I want to use? And like, why don't I, why don't I get to do the trial and error part? Cause like, I like that part. Like, I like learning lessons like that. I don't like to just find exactly the right recipe and then now I have it. I like to like learn the things along the way. And I guess maybe also too, like, you know, Lily, my niece, you know, children do that. They like really learn things as they go and it's because they play. And I love that. I'll never be able to make that bread again, but <laughs> was it good? You know, yeah, one of them was really good and one of them was really not good. 
But then I learned, I used some of those tips and tricks in my recent um, English, sourdough English muffins, you know, because I learned some things about that bread. Yeah. Thanks, Ruby. Yeah. What about for work? How are you feeling grateful for work? Um, you know that quote from The Alchemist that's about um, the universe being on your team? Conspiring for you, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. That the universe conspires. Oh, my God. What is it? The universe conspires. In your favor. You and, yeah. Like when you're on your right path. The universe like wants to help you do what you're meant to be doing basically anyways I feel like that with our work like I feel um an alignment that feels like at ease and that also feels fun and playful and um like we get to learn along the way and like we get to make up random things and then we get to add this and subtract this like as we figure it out. I guess I'm grateful that our work feels the way that I like for my life to feel. And that it has like those elements of like learning and also like purposefulness and um, autonomy. Like autonomy is such a big one to me, I think. And I just really feel that in our work. And I feel like our work sometimes can be like an out-of-body experience for me because I really do feel like, you know how we talk about like how we have this sense sometimes when we're just like the vessel for something. Like I'm like, we like, yeah, I get that we have like made it all up and that we've put the curriculum together and that like it really is like of us, but also it doesn't really feel that way. It kind of just feels like things that just like come up and through onto paper into the journal into the podcast into the entire self-study program you know those are all things that just like came up and they all seem to come like right at the right time and I just have a big (laughs) sense of like trust for our work and that and that that feels so good Mm. what I love about that too is that like we have really been patient and present for our work yes that's true we really have been because we've been working together since 2015. Yeah. And we've just let the timing evolve. As it has. Wow. Jake. Thank you for the coffee. Well, the internet's first glimpse. <laughs> <laughs> okay, how are you feeling grateful for our work? Um, okay, I feel grateful for the, like... Okay, it's kind of like multi-part faceted. But like I feel really grateful for like the motivation and conviction I feel towards our work. And then I feel really grateful for the fun that we have in our work and that I have in our work um, when I let myself. Um, And so, yeah, like I, I mentioned earlier, I've started this like other job situation thing. I'm like starting to teach yoga again. I'm helping facilitate trainings um, for a studio in Colorado Springs. And anyway, I started this week and my schedule has been like crazy because I'm supposed to work like 30 hours a week for them. And then also, what the hell? This is my important work. So I feel really grateful that it's so clear that like this is my important work. And honestly, even though this week has been like bonkers busy, um, 
it has been awesome and I feel really grateful for the ways that honestly like where we are in our lives and also I miss being on the same time zone and Mm -hmm. it's kind of helpful at this particular phase that you're two hours ahead and um it just gives me it feels like it gives me a few more hours in my day and so like I loved like we recorded another episode like earlier this week and kind of just like fast and furious like I was like this is the amount of time I have but I'm ready and I love like the motivation that our work gives me that I can be like we're doing it right now and like because I care so much about it I can just like turn it on and lean in we do a lot of that. Like, one of us will have the call, and we call, and we go, like, hey, okay, we are planning to do this thing at 2. Does that still feel good today, or does it need to shift, or, like, whatever. And if it's, like, yes, this is the time that I have to do it this week. I want to do it. I need a snack. I need some coffee. But, yeah, I'm ready. That we do always really, like, it's easy to, for us to, like, land in it. And that yeah, so and I, I guess, like, part of that is the gratitude I have for, like, like you said, like, this work. It, it doesn't feel like, um, like from us, but it is of us. And so like, because it is like a part of me and like the fact that we do it together is like a part of me, there's like this intrinsic motivation and like, I don't know, it makes it feel very natural. And even when I feel like stuck, maybe energetically or stuck in like, oh my God, I have to create another piece of content. Um, with a little mm-hmm. bit of like space and self-nurturing there, it, it's easy for that to like open back up. Totally. Yes. What you're speaking to, like, it's like the, sometimes I do have to get almost like a running start. You know, I'm like, no, I do have a time limit on this thing because I do have to do this thing because we do, are, we are going to post it on this day and this is just how it's going to go. But once I can like get into the fact that that is what I'm doing, normally it's no, it's no, there's no like barrier for me like getting in the flow of doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like uh, one more example, cause it's just been a wild week. But the other day I was like, it'd been a really busy day. My family's going through some stuff. There's just a lot of energy and emotion going on. Plus I've got this work and our work and I was feeling kind of grumpy and we all wanted to go for a walk but also I was feeling kind of grumpy and I even told everyone I was like I feel irritable it's nobody's fault I have no idea why like I don't know and Jake was like do you know where the skittles are maybe you should have a skittle and y'all should know that um what we call skittles are these uh pill edibles that are just like two and a half milligrams of THC and CBD and then they have some caffeine in them anyway I was like sure yeah so I pill edibles I I took a yellow (laughs) skittle and we went on a walk and then I got back and I was like I've got shit to do like yes I can do this to do list for the duality project because it's not that hard and I can just sit down and focus for an hour and I can get these emails edited and scheduled and it is done yeah and I'll feel so good afterwards. I always feel so, I never feel drained after doing. That I mean, part. I mean, yes, of course. But I never feel like yucky drained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's easy to feel motivated to do our work because. Totally. It feels fulfilling. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I know I have really had some moments recently where I'm like, not a single person I know um, has like, yeah, in, like, the house that I'm living in and, like, the way that my life feels right now. It's, like, I don't know a single other person whose life um, 
I guess that's me comparing myself to other people. I am really luxuriating in the actual luxury that I am living in right now. Mm-hmm. And that feels... I'm really, like, leaning into getting to appreciate, like, my way of life right now. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow, I love that. Yeah. And our work is part of that. Always. Who gets to feel fulfilled in their work? Not a lot of people. And ew. Wow, yeah. That has always been a non-negotiable for us. Mm-hmm. Truly, it has been. You want to tell us about okay. the theme for the day? I know, we could go on about yeah, gratitude, like, all day, so let's all shift day. gears. What's I the know, theme? Like, as the sun is, like, coming through these windows, okay. <laughs> <laughs> the theme is compassion. It's time for compassion. Our last theme was rest, and the reason rest had to happen definitely was because we had set all these boundaries. And the reason that boundaries happened was because of freedom. Well, you know, we had the courage that, like, gave access to freedom. And then sometimes, you know, like, freedom feels like, whoa. And then boundaries are like, okay, let's channel this and, like, keep the freedom and uh, honor ourselves. But then boundaries are exhausting. And then after we rest, there's actually, like, space, like, that deep breath space for, like, okay, compassion. Yeah. Can I share something with you from a client from this week? Yeah. Okay, so I have a client who used um, a visual that, like, I really loved. I kind of just was asking her, like, what are you doing? Why are you here? What kind of things do you want to talk about? And she was like, I feel like this tight little, like, ball of yarn all the time, just, like, squeezed all together. You can hardly even unravel the yarn at all because it's all just, like, super tightly wound. And, um... Like, as we're going to continue to talk about the yarn, like, one thing I said was, like, okay, listen, I feel like a lot of people come to a self-study practice, or they come to therapy, or they come to self-help, or they come to self-improvement, or they go to yoga, or whatever, because somewhere along the line, they've gotten this narrative that, like, you are too tightly wound up in some kind of way, and, and the opposite of that is to now completely unravel in every single way, and then to just be, like, sprawled all out all over the place. And the compassionate way to meet a really tightly wound up ball of yarn is it to start yanking on it from every single direction so that it will unravel. It is to kind of like move it around and like get a little bit more space in there and allow it to kind of like fluff up so that then when you do come to a knot, you're more easily able to like get in there and untie it and figure out where the strings are and stuff. So like that's how that's just how I'm like really feeling about compassion is that compassion isn't like it's not fixing and rearranging it's like meeting it where it's at and then maybe becoming a little bit more mobile Mm -hmm. or a little bit more um flexible or a little bit more open relaxed Mm -hmm malleable yeah I love that compassion comes here like as like one of the final themes in the self-study practice because it does like loop back to the very beginning of presence and acceptance but then it it like Mm -hmm. adds the emotional intelligence layer of experience Right. So because like you have you practice presence and acceptance, but then you've also been through all these other themes and like paid attention to that in your life. And then finally, there's like a 
again, I'll speak to like a depth. There's like a depth to compassion that like takes presence and acceptance and then says, okay, and I can like really settle into there being room for these things. Yeah, that's settling into there being space. Yes. Mm, that feels so nice. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, obviously, before we dive into the theme, you know, we have to do our housekeeping. Um, so, Ruby, what's one of your, what do you want to tell everyone about? There's no right answer. I want to tell everyone about the sweatshirt that we're wearing. If you okay. <laughs> if you're watching on the video, obviously you're looking at it. If you're not, it is this cute beige suede crew neck sweatshirt. Um, we're both suede. That's what they call the description, but it's basically like oh, the way okay. it's designed. Like, it does feel really good. It's literally an inside out sweatshirt. The fleece is on the outside, and mm-hmm. we're both wearing mediums, and they're like perfectly oversized, and they have this cute little embroidered ditty that says stay soft yes thank you kate and it's new in the shop and you can go to the you're doing great store and get one for yourself and you know what's really cute about this little thing is it's almost like a little ball of yarn oh it is so floofy it's like a little kitty ball of yarn and it's fluffy and yeah cute Okay, so that's a You're Doing Great shop where you can go get all sorts of wonderful little things. Oh, where's my journal? I'm a mess. I've just moved into a new place, so my journal is in a different room now. It's okay. Find your Anyways, journal. I was going to show that. Yeah, find but. your journal. Uh, along with, like, the shop, just, like, a shop announcement, um, is that we will have some new stuff coming in February that is all about self-love, self-care, self-compassion, you know, in the spirit of Valentine's Day, whatever, February. Um, also just getting through the rest of winter. Uh, we'll have some merch that can cozy you up and remind you to stay present with yourself. And not only that, but this is in direct relation to Heartland, our next announcement. If you're a member of Heartland, you get a discount in the shop. Dun, 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 dun. But before we tell you that, let me show you these cute stickers. Oh my god, my stickers haven't come in yet. Wow, I'm feeling jealous. Yeah. Cute. Look at them. Wow. And here's our cute little kitty. If you're just listening, you're just going to have to go to the video and like see. Or go on to the store and you can see the sticker set. Um, but when you... Yeah, the first, what did we decide? The first 20 people who sign up for Heartland are going to get a sticker sheet that we'll just send to you. Yeah, for freezies. Because, you know, you got your water bottle with the stickers and you got your laptop with the stickers. So that's where the stickers go. I mean, honestly, anywhere you want. But then look at my journal. Oh. It's the working on myself one. I love that. And I just love it. I love this. I love a spiral bound. Whew, I love a spiral bound because of the open it all the way up you know i love that okay okay so heartland though ruby can you tell us the deets of heartland heartland is our virtual online community space and it's meant to be a place for connection right like social interaction so um the way i've been thinking about it is like just you know stop doom scrolling and instead get on heartland where you can connect with people who are actually interested in doing this work and uh you know, like want to connect and grow together. So Heartland is a social platform. Um, it 
you get your first seven days free and then it's only seven dollars a month after that and you get 24 7 access from your laptop or your mobile app you get um weekly discussion prompts in our discussion forum you get quarterly workshops in heartland um our, the first one is january 23rd we're doing a, a 2023 intention setting workshop um, where we will go through choosing a word for the year and even if you already have a word this is a great workshop to attend because we're going to like spend time in that do some journaling do some connecting um yeah so we'll have like some meetups in Heartland. There'll be challenges. There'll be movement exercises. We're in there sharing what's going on. There will be bonus extra podcast episodes where we're just like, wow. you know, whatever. Honestly, you can request what topic you want. Um, and we're really excited about some other stuff too. Like down the line, we definitely want to do some like uh, like meetups that are free one-on-one coaching. Um, so yeah, get in there. It's $7 a month, but your first week's free. You can... Sign up now. You probably got the email already in your inbox that today, just now, Heartland has opened. Get in there. And probably one of the biggest perks, too, um, I'm, like, all over the place. But I can't – I would be remiss to forget to mention the Daily Diary, my self-study practice journal. Um, It's a virtual journal. It asks – actually, I have it pulled up um, because we were working on it this morning. And it does – we told you all last week, like, it talks – or on the last episode, like, it talks about – feelings and needs but then it also asks some really cool just like daily prompts um proceed that's not it pause and something that you'll note is because you're here in the self-study podcast um the actual self-study curriculum is something like the the 10 themes are things that ruby and i have been doing for years and so what I'm trying to point out here is the um, beauty and the depth that is offered with doing answering the same questions consistently like to continue getting curious about this one thing over and over and over and over for years and years and years so like sometimes I think it's like we feel like oh I got I've already I've already I already know how I feel it's like well how else do you feel Mm -hmm. what else Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So there's a lot of value in doing something consistently that's just the same. Well, and the, yeah, it, so it talks about in the journal, it asks you how you're feeling, and then there's like a checklist. What do you need? There's a place to write anything extra. What are you getting present to? You can, there's a place to free write. What are you grateful for today? What do you give yourself permission for? And then there's a place to upload like an image. So if you want to take a picture of your journal entry that was handwritten, or you want to add a picture. Um, and it also asks like what your energy level is and it's just like a great check-in and then one of the coolest features is that then it loads into the calendar feature and so then you can literally search back through the calendar to a previous entry so we beta tested this with the 2020 self-study program and so I can go back to March let's see 24th 2021 is that right? Yeah. And like C, I give myself permission to choose pleasure and ease and patience and breath. And like you can go see the whole entry and where you were and what you were doing and like track back without having to go find last year's journal somewhere on the shelves Fine. or in the boxes. Yeah. And also like what a cool thing to be able to do to give yourself some um, uh, structure for like 
this is growth. Look at that. Wow. So get in there. Heartland yeah. is launched. We're so thrilled to be in there with you. It's something we've been wanting to do for years. And I'm so happy that totally. it's finally here. Yeah. And the first workshop is on January the 23rd. At what time? 6 p.m. Eastern. Incredible. Great. Okay. Along with Heartland, also applications are our applications are open for the self-study program that begins in March. There are <clears throat> four cohorts. You're like, oh my God, what? I've been listening <laughs> to this podcast and I know that there are only three. Come on, Kate. Actually, incorrect because you're listening to the self-study podcast with Kate and Ruby and Kate and Ruby decided to add another one. <laughs> it's so part of there are four. It's part of our yes and. Yeah. Yeah, so like, yes, and uh, we were so excited to create the specific three cohorts that we made, and we got requests from quite a few other people who asked us, like, hey, where do I fit in this? Because I want to do it. Um, and so, yeah, uh, introducing the fourth cohort is the all y'all cohort. So there's the cohort for parents, which, by the way, is not a coaching, is not a parent's course, like a a course for parenting it's a it's a course where you do your self-study practice and also you are a parent and you want to do your self-study practice alongside other people who are parents but we won't be going like this is how you should become a better parent that's not that's not what we're doing um there's also the cohort for therapists and coaches and same thing this isn't um teaching you how to be a better therapist or coach this is holding space um, for people who work in helping professionals, coaches, therapists, uh, people who hold space in that kind of way for other people. This is a space for those people to come together and do their self-study practice. Um, we also have the cohort for 20-somethings. Again, not a course on how to successfully do your 20s because... I guess the long and short of it is, is that that's not even a real thing. So um, you're already doing great. Can't help, can't wait to have you in that cohort. And then the fourth one is the is the cohort for all y'all. It's just for all y'all. You want to add anything, Ruby? Um, the only thing I'll add is that the cohort for parents, uh, if both parents are interested and we would advise that, yes then you can both do the program together under the one enrollment and then also mm -hmm. in the 20-somethings cohort um we encourage you to sign up with a buddy because this work is just especially at that age done it just is very helpful to have a friend alongside you and so if you and a buddy enroll as each other's buddy you both get half off so it's like a bogo buy one for the, like get two for the price of one um so sign up with a friend buy one bring a buddy bob bubba <laughs> <laughs> bob ab so yeah there's the bob bubba uh, deal going on on the 20 somethings <laughs> get your bob bubba <laughs> get your bob bubba <laughs> Let's get right in I there. I think we covered all the house. I think we've covered a lot. <laughs> okay. 
classic. Classic, classic, classic. Okay. Um, then let's talk about compassion, huh? Let's do it. Okay. Wow. Okay. Something that compassion does. Okay. First, hold on. I, I really want to talk about uh, the word nurture um, because I think that this idea of of nurturing, I think is often misunderstood and also misrepresented um, to be like that there's no, um, like, well, let me just read you the definition of nurture. The definition of nurture is the process of caring for and encouraging the growth or development of someone or something. One more time. Nurture means, is defined as, the process of caring for and encouraging the growth or development of someone or something. So like you nurture plants so that they survive. You nurture your friendships so that they survive and thrive. You nurture your relationships. Again, survival and thrival, which is what we're going for. And I think that we think of nurture, especially when it comes to like nurturing yourself or like nurturing another adult, is that like if you're too soft or too nurturing or whatever to other adults, then they'll just become like lazy and not productive and you know, you're like babying them and they like won't ever grow up. And so, yeah, I just wanted to start this off by being like, that's actually not at all what nurturing does. Nurturing actually is part of what creates the space for us to evolve and grow and become and, and like show up more fully and yeah, like become who we are. So like a huge part of compassion is compassion is a practice and a necessary part of nurturing. Mm -hmm. So if you intend on growing or developing in any kind of way, um, nurture has to be there and part of nurture is compassion. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that because what I think what you're speaking to is the way that nurture can get confused with enabling or like doing for yes and babying and I I love in the definition how it says you know it's the process of caring for and encouraging the growth and how that's so different than the energy of enabling or babying or like doing for or even you know like uh you know uh parenting the way that it happens sometimes in like relationships you know how when like one takes on like the role of like the Mm -hmm. parent in the adult relationship and that actual nurturing is is different than that actual nurturing is a healthy caring for and encouragement of growth and development and that yes uh feels very different than the like entanglement or enmeshment of doing for or enabling or babying totally Okay, can I share something that comes up for me when you talk about how, like, you were saying earlier in the gratitudes, you were talking about how you're um, practicing, like, receiving help. I am somebody, (laughs) you'll probably be surprised to hear this, but I am somebody who's gotten feedback (laughs) over the years in certain relationships, like, um, 
Kate, I want, like, you're not very good at letting, you have to help, you let other people help you. And um, I really, I've had a really hard time with, like, that. Because my experience, and I learned, I really, like, learned this last summer. I was trying to do something, and somebody was like, why don't you just let so-and-so who already knows how to do this help you? And I was like, because I want to be able to do it. I want to learn how to do this thing. I want to figure out how that this thing can happen. So the, the way that the other person was defining that person as helping me was doing it for me. Like, Kate, why don't you just let this person who already knows how to do it, do it for me? But when it comes to, like, caring for and encouraging my growth and development, that means that I need to have hands-on. For me, like, that's how I learn things. Like, I, if you want to help me, what you can stand next to me and you can go, okay, here's why this next step is important. Like, so first do this. And, you know, so, like, if you want to teach me how to do it, that often is what feels like help. But the way that help has often been showed to me or offered to me is um, let somebody, you need to let other people do it for you. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when I'm trying to learn something new, what feels so good to me is learning something new and then feeling that sense of like, wow, I just accomplished this thing that I was trying to do. And then I get to feel proud of myself for that. Um, so so in, in the conversation of like, okay, okay, you need to let people help you. Something that I've learned how to do is is distinguish whether or not, like, is it that I don't want this person to help me do it? Is it that this person's trying to take over this thing that I want to do and actually I want to do it? Or am I having like a control thing and I just want to be in control of this space? So there's like, there's a lot of nuance for me when it comes to um, like receiving help. And... Um, me feeling cap, I like to feel capable, and sometimes I recognize that I don't want to ask for help because I want to learn how to do it myself because that's how I nurture my sense of capability. And like, yeah, sometimes that goes too far, and then it's like, Kate, you're capable of doing like literally everything, and where's your community or whatever. But like, anyways, that just came up for me as you were talking about help. Mhm. Mhm. Well, in the way that like in the story that I shared in my gratitude like me allowing specifically like Jake to help logistically by like going and picking up my mom from the airport was a way that she felt cared for I got to feel cared for and also it encourages the growth and development for me that I like give up get like surrender that and like let someone else do what I really wanted to be like my role and support but I actually didn't have the capacity for mm -hmm. yeah and how that's different than like what you're you know like you're talking about I mean in that situation I think I know what you're talking about and the person is kind of the kind of person who's just like just like let them help or like why can't you do it this way or whatever and Totally. Um, that's not nurturing. But also, I guess, like, kind of what I'm speaking to is in that moment, like, the most compassionate thing for you to do for both you and everyone involved in the situation of your mom needing to be picked up from the airport was to go, hey, Jake, can you pick mom up from the airport? And sometimes the most compassionate thing to do is to go, like, hey, actually, I am doing this thing myself. I appreciate you offering your help. Um, and if I would like to have it, 
I will come in and ask you for it. I appreciate that it has been offered. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think yeah, like taking out the, like, sorry, I think like just taking out the doing it for each other, you know, that's where we're like, we put things on to people about like how they should be or how mm-hmm. it should go. And I'm like, even thinking about like parenting specifically, like the difference between like doing all your kids laundry, like all the way through high school and like doing it, putting it away for them and how that is like, um, like a caring thing to do it's not the most Mm -hmm. nurturing thing to do the most Mm -hmm. nurturing thing to do would be to like teach them to do the laundry with you and then like help them put it away and then they Mm -hmm. know how to do it and where it goes and then by the time they're a senior in high school they should be doing their own laundry or helping with the household laundry so that when they go to college they know how to be an adult and that's nurturing yes 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 Um, Compassion is where empathy meets the willingness to radically be with suffering. So even let's put that in, I think that's a Tarbrock um, definition. Um, Like even like as far as like the laundry goes, right? So like, okay, a lot of the suffering (laughs) that we see when it comes to like living with other people in households is that there's like, um, it's just like inequitable. So like, so where one person is doing way more than another person in whatever kind of way it is, that is like a specific kind of suffering that comes along with like being in a household with other people. Empathy says everyone has laundry. We all have to do the laundry. Most people I know don't like doing the laundry. And then the willingness to radically be with the suffering says Um, It's really important, though, for all of us to do the laundry. And I'm going to teach you how to do yours so that you will always have the skill to both support yourself and your own laundry and the other people in your household who will also be having laundry. And whether the kid kicks and screams then about having to do laundry is just part of that, like, passing passing stuff that's going to happen when when you we have to learn how to do something new in the same way that like I don't know like you said I don't know very many people who like to do laundry so the first time you live on your own there's some internal kicking and screaming about doing the Mm -hmm. laundry like you let it pile up you like let it stay dirty like whatever and then you're like ah shit I gotta go to do the laundry like it's like that like uh parenting with like parent and child is just an external representation so often of like what I feel like I've also experienced it within myself yes totally and then it's also like okay so then you're a fresh you're fresh into college or whatever you're fresh out of your household I don't know and you are in a situation where you're having that internal kicking and screaming thank goodness now if you've taught if if someone has taught you some skills or set some boundaries around the rules of being in a household together, you don't have to start at square one, which is like, how do I even do laundry? Like you actually already have the tools at your fingertips to do what needs to be done. And that eases suffering, to have the tools mm-hmm. and to have the access to the to what you need, laundry detergent, a washer mm-hmm. dryer. Yeah, and that's something that's you like, know? it's sometimes, I love, I love that we're using the analogy of laundry. Um, it's sometimes challenging to know, like, what's the difference between, like, like, what is the compassionate thing to do, you know? And, like, I think it's easy to get yes. confused about that. You know, like, the compassionate thing to do yes. is, like, to totally care for this person or whatever. When really it's, like, the compassionate thing to do is that um, I can nurture, which means, like, yes, 
be available to care for, but also encourage the growth and development of and be with the resistance yeah. or like... And yes. And so much of the time we want to take away the suffering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like... Um, yeah, and we think that, that that's compassion. a way that I was taught how to care. And we think that that's the... the yes. Yes. A lot of us defined compassion as taking something... Oh, taking away suffering, but but kind of just like the deal with life is that like suffering exists. So if we're moving through the world going like I'm a compassionate person and my definition of compassion means that I take away suffering of other people, you are honestly and respectfully um, that is that ain't true. You're not taking away the suffering of other people because that's not something that we can do. And you're not responsible and so you're for of, that. You're living in a lie. Yeah. 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 And you'll never be successful because the suffering exists. It is part yeah. of the human experience, condition, like whatever you want to call it. And it is our own responsibility in our own lives to like navigate that, both our own suffering, like internally and in relationship. But it's not like your responsibility to take away someone else's suffering. Um, and even to like add to that, you know, like it sucks to say, and I, I wish it wasn't true, but it's just like, challenging things happen in life and in my experience those most challenging things which were and caused suffering were also huge growth opportunities and like made me a softer kinder better more hopeful person and to Mm -hmm. to think that you it's your responsibility to take away someone else's suffering consider that you're taking away those opportunities like first of all you can't do that but second of all even if you could it would Mm be robbing them of the life experiences that are available for them and therefore it would be getting in the way of the nurturing of that person Mm -hmm. yeah Yes. Can we talk a little bit about the difference between what is empathy and what is compassion? Yeah, let's do How that. Different. Um, something that I really loved just getting really clear on when I was writing about um, anger for our blog, which, by the way, um, check out the blog on thedualityproject.com. There's some great articles up there. Um, but I was writing about, yeah, anger and like what it feels like in our bodies and all of that kind of stuff. And then, um, a main thing that like really landed for me was that empathy is by nature, um, uh, empathy shows us the depths that we can go to within ourselves. So, um, like our depth of capacity for empathy shows us, um, how honestly how in tune we are with like our bodies because in, in, some somatically like as in like okay so say somebody comes to me and they're like I'm having this thing at work I feel wildly um like I don't belong and completely incapable in order for me to do empathy with that person I have to have access to a time in my life where I've also felt like I totally don't belong and totally incapable And so then, like, it doesn't have to be the same situation, and I don't even need to share with that person. Um, Oh, yeah, I had this situation, and I felt that way, too. You'll be fine. I feel like that's a lot of the ways that we do empathy. We say, like, oh, well, I've totally felt that way, too, and you'll be fine. And it's, like, technically, uh, empathy is saying to the other person, like, "I I have also felt that way. 
And sometimes it can be like I've had moments where I've like shared something and I feel so alone and feeling that way. And then somebody else like, hey, I feel that way, too. Or that very same thing has happened to me, too. Wow, I thought it hadn't happened to me either. Like, hello, the Me Too movement. And how empowering has it been for an entire generation of women to know um, that same thing has happened to me, too. That's an incredible thing that has like brought us all together. Um, compassion, though. Okay, so say you're a therapist and say every single one of your clients is somebody who has had this really horrible traumatic experience and they're just coming to you and over and over and over they're sharing these traumatic situations with you where they felt trapped. Um, it's maybe not so helpful every single time to say like, I have felt trapped before too. And then to really go there and like feel into that sense, which would be empathy. Compassion can say, I'm here with you now. Let's talk, you know, like to radically be with the suffering, not like deep down in it, just like with it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like empathy is like you said, being able to identify within yourself, whether you verbalize that or just energetically bring that forward like that you felt a similar way and then um I know I've often felt like I can feel someone's empathy right like I can really sense or tell like Mm -hmm. do they mean it like are they do they see me it makes me feel seen and then compassion is um sometimes unless they just start talking about their own shit well but then then I'm like I don't really feel like they're doing empathy when you know like I guess so yeah you know what I mean like talking about it is like one surface level and then I feel like empathy though is being able to like allow yourself to take a moment and like remember what that person is sharing with you felt like for you and therefore there's like an energy to hold that space um yeah and then compassion is where that I guess it is like an emotional intelligence empathy is part of emotional intelligence um Mm -hmm. meets a willingness yeah to actually be with the suffering and like let's talk a little bit more about what what that means and how that's like different than just sitting with someone in empathy um and I think like part of that is like like you said like bringing in like and I'm here with you now so like yes I felt like that before and we're both here together now so what's like what is really present and maybe sometimes that's some sort of like problem solving to happen or like Uh, strategizing and sometimes it's though just like acknowledging and then like being in the present suffering that you both know is existing Mm -hmm. yeah which is why one of the most compassionate things that we can do for ourselves and for each other is to know what our feelings and needs are so that we can we can say things like wow Ruby it sounds like you're having a really hard day as your friend, how can I be here with you? How, like, do you want me to just listen to this? Are you wanting me to help you, like, find some creative ways to, like, solve this? Do you want to brainstorm? Do you want me to listen? Do you want to go on a walk? You know, do you want to go out for cocktails and talk about it at the bar? You know, like, how, how can I be with this suffering in the best way? That's a big part of what compassion asks Mm -hmm. us to ask. Mm Mm-hmm. In a way, okay, and then so the very next part that's really important um, about compassion is Jack Cornfield says if your compassion does not as if your compassion does not include yourself, it is incomplete. 
And so um, something that I've certainly gotten stuck in in the past is doing this thing where I've thought that I've been being like outwardly compassionate, like I'm being compassionate towards the other person, but not considering like what do I have the capacity for or like what is okay for me and what is not okay for me. So even as a friend, like when you're offering or when you're asking the person like, hey, how can I be with you? What Like if I were to say to you, to Ruby, if she was calling me in a, in a big thing, and I said, would it be so helpful if I flew out today and then met you and had a drink at the bar later? And she was like, yes. I don't have the fucking capacity for that. You know, like, I'm across, this, I'm across the country. Like, I can't just fly out there and have a cocktail with her. But, like, you know, but if, if she's like, yeah, I would like for us to be together, it'd be like, okay, could we cook dinner together over Zoom? you know, or something like, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be the same thing, but that's when like the creativity gets going to meet both people's capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love uh, that you're speaking to that because I feel like sometimes um, it's easy for us to, to like think we're practicing compassion when someone like comes to us. And then I don't know, this has just happened to me in like my younger years. Sometimes like I would call an adult in my life and be like, this is what I'm going through. And like, this is what I need. And then like, after they're like what do you need and I'm like this is the support that I need and then they're like well I can't do that but I can do this and then that's like it it's just like I can't do that but I can do this totally other unrelated thing that you didn't ask for that we haven't talked about that I've just decided is the thing that you probably maybe could take and that that Uh (laughs) that that is like not helpful (laughs) and it's not meeting it's not meeting and like navigating the suffering together because it's totally but it totally. is totally reasonable right that like someone might say like I hear that that feels like what you need the most and I don't have the capacity for that and I still want to support you so like can we brainstorm together like another way to get you that support or to navigate this together yeah or like hey I really hear that you want to go have drinks with somebody I wish I could be there C- could we call somebody else who else could you call mm-hmm. that's there mm-hmm. that you could go with mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and also, you know, uh, quest- or responses like that, because that's happened to me a lot in my professional career, where somebody has gone, hey, Kate, so great, we want to partner with you, we love everything that you're doing, um, do you have a photographer that you like to use? Yeah, I totally do, and this is, I'm really specific about which photographer I use, and here's why I use here, and blah, 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 cool, great, that sounds so awesome, we actually have this other photographer that we like to use. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, well, are we going to be using that photographer? Or are we going to use my photographer that, like, I already know and like? And also, I told you all these specific reasons that I use her. So, like, does your photographer do all that stuff? Or, like, so things like that are just, like, giving somebody the illusion of, like, this false sense of control. And that is a manipulative tactic. Mm-hmm. And it's bullshit, to be honest. <clears throat> and it's not, I hate it's it. not compassionate. Yeah. Um, it's not compassionate. But I do love... Uh, you know, we have another Tara Tarbrock quote a little bit further down in our notes. And, like, it speaks to how we were talking about, like, what is compassion versus empathy. And, you know, she says uh, the, the fullness of compassion also includes action. So not only do we attune ourselves to the presence of suffering, but we respond to it. And so um, in those, like, missed opportunities, I think there is um, good intention to do the compassion. And then the miss, though, is in the actual, like, response, like, clear and present response to the suffering instead it's very like um okay yeah like the same thing happens all the time I feel like when people want to like give back um to like 
charity or like give back to um people in the community who have like bigger needs and then it's like well the need is blankets and then people are like Mm -hmm. well i don't have blankets but here are some canned collard greens Totally. Or the need is systemic change. How are you voting? And then it's and then they're like, again, canned collard greens? And you're like, no, that <laughs> won't do it. No. Yeah, like such a good point is that the is that people know what they need. People especially people in in community. Communities know what they need the best way to respond to what they need is first ask and then do it (laughs) okay and then and then you know like to circle back to like what is self-compassion um it can and i feel like we've talked about this in a previous episode a little bit but like it can be it it's understandable that it can be very challenging to be compassionate towards others and like meeting and taking action to alleviate their suffering from this like uh relational standpoint if you have never experienced self-compassion um and like actually having your own needs met by yourself or by others and so like there can be a disconnect in that like understanding of why why can't you take the canned collard greens? Like, I hear that you need blankets, but, like, why can't these collard greens also be helpful? If you've never experienced actually having, like, the being able to identify the need that you have and then actually have the self-compassion to meet yourself and meet that need, there can be that disconnect. Yeah. (coughs) Totally. Okay, well, Kate, what does compassion towards others feel like for you? Hmm. Well, how about that? Can I tell you what compassion towards others used to feel like? Yeah. Okay. I was really good at doing compassion because that would mean like, and I can kind of, I can recognize this pattern like all through high school. Um, I remember one time, so I went through the Montessori school, um, K through eight, which I loved. And one time, this girl really wanted my pen. And um, I think she probably just, like, took it from me. And she just, like, took my pen. And maybe the teacher intervened or something. Because I don't remember thinking that this was a big deal at all. I just remember thinking, like, she took my pen. And she might have even traded me a pen. But then I do remember the Montessori school teacher set us down and really made the two of us talk about our feelings together. And I felt like... Um, I thought that the teacher was making like way too big of a deal out of it. Um, but now I really appreciate her giving me that space to really check in with like, am I legitimately okay with this? Because I think like a narrative that I was taught was like, you need to be okay with it. Like this kind of thing is going to happen. People are going to want, want your stuff. People are going to take it. And you should be kind and generous and you need to share. And so there's a lot of my life where I haven't like checked in with like, am I actually okay with this? And the way that that showed up in my business was that I would bend over backwards to either create new systems for like, say I got a new employee and they were like, hey, this, I don't, this certain thing, like I don't like or whatever. I would like overhaul the system and 
like long story short, it just led to burnout because there was there were lots of reasons that I had made the system the way that it was in the beginning. And me continuously bending over backwards, breaking my systems, um, you know, then it, I guess it almost felt like it felt like everybody thought they got to have a piece of me and I was letting them have it. And then eventually I was kind of like, where am I in this at all? And that's what it felt like to do compassion for other people. It felt like, um, which like now I can really recognize and be honest about how like I get that that's not actually compassion because then where am I in the rest of it? And so like now what compassion feels like for me is, okay, I have a new roommate who I'm loving and she's very much like, uh, hey, like I made this and I want you to have some or like you're welcome to share this with me or like whatever. But then when I have said back to her like, yeah, I have that. That's in the fridge. Like, of course you can have some of that, you know, and she's like, oh, I don't want to use your stuff. The compassionate thing that I have said to her is if you want us to have an open and sharing community in this house, then that has to go both ways. Like if I'm using your stuff and you never use my stuff, eventually I know that I won't feel good about using your stuff. And then I'll start to go, what, whose is whose and what is what? And we don't know how to share. And we, and I, and there's not like this sense of like trust in reciprocity. So I have already said, like, I appreciate that you offer things to me all the time. It's only going to work out if you also take what I have to offer too. You know, like, and, and you don't have to do it if you don't, like, like, if you don't want that thing. But, like, if you need an egg and I have eggs, like, literally, of course, you can use an egg because I've already used two of yours because you told me that I could. You know, so, like, that felt compassionate to me because I know that I don't like to feel like somebody's keeping score. And so if I don't, if somebody else is keeping score, but I don't want to have to keep score myself, then I still need to show up in this situation. So that's a way that it feels now instead of being like, I don't know. It, it just felt, inequ- it felt inequitable before I said that. And now it feels like it can be equitable. Mm-hmm. And so that's more how I do compassion now. And even though the two of us have extremely different um, financial access. So there's like a hierarchy of class already almost or something. Uh, And and like that's a way in which sometimes I can lean into doing that like martyrdom thing. When I'm like, oh, I have more access, so I should give beyond my means. But that doesn't really create equity within the systems that, and it doesn't create equity in the friendship. And it doesn't feel yeah, it doesn't specific relationship dynamic feel good as a person, right? Like Mm -hmm. as humans, we like we generally as a whole as a species like to contribute. We generally want to do our part. Mm -hmm. We typically uh, feel best when there is like something if I'm receiving something there's also something I can offer mm-hmm. <coughs> yeah totally yeah and you know like also at, in the very same breath like last night like I've been sick and in the bed when I came down there was some dinner waiting for me and also I really wanted to cook a big meal 
I wanted to cook. I wanted that to be like what I was doing that night. So I said, thank you so much for cooking this. And also, I really want to cook tonight. And I'd love to eat that for lunch tomorrow, you know? Mm-hmm. So I still met my needs, even though I know that she wanted to give that to me. And I appreciated that. And also, I wanted to cook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what does yeah. compassion feel like towards yourself? Mm. I always have some kind of little like spidey sense when I've overextended myself or when um I guess a telltale sign for me which which is like that I haven't been like considering myself is that I feel taken advantage of and um so compassion towards myself feels like going, okay, well, if I want to be generous and kind and compassionate here, and also I don't want to feel resentful, and also I don't want to feel like I'm being taken advantage of, then what are my boundaries around this specific act of care? Um do I feel reciprocal with this person? If not with this person, like, is that okay? Can I still get these needs met somewhere else? Because, um, like, not every single relationship that I'm in feels reciprocal. Like, that's just not the way of things in my experience. And also, sometimes I'm going to give to someone who cannot give back to me. And also, then I hope and know, though, that the, those needs in me still need to be met. And so then in my other relationships, how am I getting those needs met? Like, who do I get to go to and say, damn, I really felt taken advantage of in this situation. What do I need to do to not feel that way with this person anymore? So, yeah, compassion towards myself. Because, okay, so like with dinner last night, I almost had that thing where I was like, oh my God, I have to eat it. But then the compassion towards myself was like, okay, you don't have to. It's okay that that lives in the fridge. I can still appreciate the gesture and I can also still eat it as another meal. And also tonight I really wanted to cook. Like I came down here with a plan in mind and um, none of that has to change. And all of that is still okay. Like I, I guess I, I come, I think culturally and in my family, women, Honestly, it feels like everybody. I'm starting to get a little bit more attuned to how maybe everybody operates like this a little bit uh, as a martyr. Because, and part of it is like the way that I've always heard my family talk about other family members who are maybe like doing something. Oh, you know, kind of like who does she think she is kind of, or she must think that she's like really important or it's like something like that. And so there's always been this like shame around taking care of yourself or shame around having the audacity to go, um, yeah, I'm not going to eat that. Uh, food was definitely, you, <laughs> I've heard the, the food thing like come up multiple times just as I'm talking about like food was a big deal. Like how dare you not eat grandmother's food? She had cooked that specifically for you. So you better shut up and like it, you know, but like the compassion for myself now says like, I can tell her that I appreciate it. I can deal with her being upset if she gets upset. And I can also eat or not eat what I want to or don't want to. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so yeah, compassion for myself just generally feels more like, what do, what do I want and what do I need mm-hmm. out of this at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> like empathy with self to me feels a little like the phrase, like it'd be like that sometimes, you know, it's just like, well, I felt like this mm-hmm. before, like this isn't an unfamiliar feeling, like I can empathize with myself or whatever, but then like for me, I then want to like just kind of move move on, like empathy and move on. And then compassion says no, like, whoa, 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 whoa. There is some like action that could be taken place to nurture ourself here. And so if you would just slow down and sit with the suffering and like identify the suffering and like put a name to the suffering, then we could actually get more nurturing out of this. And then, then that is like self-compassion versus just like mm-hmm. empathy with self, which I think like empathy with self can turn into that martyrdom because it's just like, well, this is how I feel. This is how it feels sometimes. I'm doing it anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. Or like, I know it's bad, but it's not that bad. That's that's a martyrdom one like the always going to the silver lining mm-hmm. thing and doing that with ourselves like, oh, I can suffer through really prevents self-compassion and what self-compassion does is it like mm-hmm. refills our own tank with nurturing and support yeah what did the differences feel like to you um well just i can't i think we've like spoken to this a little bit but like it definitely feels easier to have compassion towards others than it does to have mm-hmm. compassion towards myself. I historically hold myself to unreasonably high standards um, in every category of my life. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to like pressurize myself and that really gets in the way of my own self-compassion. And so um, I feel like the universe has given me a lot of lesson- lessons in like putting me in spaces and places that's just like, you can't possibly do anymore. So you're going to have to chill the fuck out and like, learn about some self-compassion and receive some compassion from other people. Um, Like when I was so burnt out from the business, like, which was around the same time I met Jake, that was like a really big like learning curve for me of like receiving nurturing and like letting someone love and care for and fall in love with me when I did not feel like my best. I was like not performing, you know, like (laughs) how I know Mm -hmm. myself to be. And I was just like, wow, I am not up to my own par but there's and you know for him it wasn't like extending compassion but to me it felt very compassionate because that was like yeah like where I needed to like learn that again that like receiving um and that really helped me with my own self-compassion right because then it's like oh I this person thinks I'm worthy of nurture so therefore I can be more willing to see that I myself am more worthy of nurturing myself so in my experience the two have been very in integral like uh that's not the exact word I'm looking for um intertwined totally that's a word that works for sure very intertwined um where one like feeds into the other and vice versa um and then definitely like how you're speaking like the more I've learned about my self-compassion the more clear I've been able to be in what compassion towards others helpfully and helpfully looks like that's a really what what you just said about healthfully and helpfully look like like um okay Lily for instance is my niece she's two 
And um, a way that often people try to help her is by jumping in and doing something for her. That makes her furious. Our little Leo baby just gets furious about that, you know, and she's screaming and she's kicking the whole nine yards. And like, I think that because I recognize that slight distinction in myself of like, why is this so, why does when this person comes in to do what they're calling helping, why does this make me so fucking furious? And because I'm like, cause you're trying to take something away from me is what it feels like. You're trying to take away my play in this situation. You're trying to take away my learning. You're trying to take away my feeling of accomplishment that I wanted to, that I haven't felt all day long. And then I wanted to do this thing and feel good. And you're taking that away from me. And so because I was really able to like distinguish that in myself, instead of just being like, yeah, Kate, you're bad at letting people help you. Instead of just like letting that story be the story and then letting that person do what they wanted to do and then me not get what I want and blah, 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 blah. Like doing the pattern. Um, I think that that really helped me feel more clear on how to be with her and how to, and also it showed me like, Kate, you feel uncomfortable watching her struggle. And what you know for yourself is that your struggle leads to growth and opportunity. Also, one time Taylor uh, had this horrible uh, wrist accident. He like had this whole wrist thing. And when he came home, I was so ready to like do everything for him. And at one point I was like doing the most and just trying to help him too much. And he goes, you're going to have to just be okay with letting me struggle sometimes. And I was like, oh, wow. Oh, no. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So like him saying that to me was such a compassionate thing for him because what he was saying for himself was like, you're doing too much and I need you to stop. And then also what he offered me was like, you need to deepen your capacity for this discomfort that you feel watching other people struggle. You're not helping like you think you are. And so I really like that you just said that thing about and it's like your access to your own empathy gave you that awareness that distinguishes between am I actually being helpful or am I just trying to make myself feel less uncomfortable about what I am seeing in front mm. of me? Am I just affronted with this person's mm. discomfort and I want it to stop because I want to feel better? Mm-hmm. Or am I actually helping that person? Mm-hmm. Those, You're right. Those are two major differences. That there's a big difference between compassion and fixing. Yeah. And also, even like I like uh, you said earlier something about coming up with like creative solutions together. Still, if the person is in, if, if your person says like, yes, I'd like for you to help me come up with some creative solutions, still there is like, I definitely have somebody in my life who's like a fixer who would call herself a fixer and she wants to fix it for you. But like when you, when somebody else wants you to help them come up with a creative solution, it's still going to be the solution that's right for them. Even if you are still, if you leave the phone call and you're like, that shit is never going to work. That was the worst idea ever. It's like, that's not your problem. Totally. (laughs) You know, you have to let them do it. And like the compassionate thing is to be there for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about what Tara Brock calls the reign of compassion. Because I think it's such a helpful way of like Mm -hmm. breaking down, um, moving into self-compassion with yourself. Yeah, totally. I love this one. She has a... um, 
This is one that I come back to over and over and over again. She has a PDF on her website that's called The Rain of Self-Compassion. And rain, like rain coming out of the sky, R-A-I-N. Um, she has a talk on YouTube. She has a um, Spotify a meditation or something anyway it's like 10 minutes long look google it and search for tar brock reign of self-compassion um but the idea is that it's a meditation practice r stands for recognize so first she'll talk you through um recognizing what is even here um next is allow and so, yeah, I recognize what is here and it's allowed to be here. I recognize that I feel fury in my body. I, that's allowed to be here. Um, I stands for investigate. Um, okay, and here's an important distinction is that I does not stand for interrogate. <laughs> I have used investigate for a long time. I used it and really meant the word interrogate. And like, I would like sit down in my meditation <laughs> practice and it was like good cop, bad cop in there, you know, just like I had that one part that was like, tell me more. What is this? Where did this come from? But it's like, there's such a difference when you, okay. And like everything I think about with like our somatic practices and our self-study practices, like we are treating ourselves like we're children because we are nurturing and there's a diff. it's not going to nurture a child into growth by interrogating them you know it's it's a little bit the energy of when you're like a teenager and you get in the car and your mom goes how was school and you go fine and they go what did you learn and you go nothing and they're like who'd you talk to today and you're like fucking nobody <laughs> you know and then like they're <laughs> and then they're just like how do you go to school and, and you, you know and then all this yeah thing. but like the reality was that maybe you just needed to check out for a second mm-hmm. after school yeah that like before you were really to That interrogating is like forcing information and investigating is a practice of looking for clues. Yes. And a nurturing kind of way of finding out information. It's just gathering information. Yeah, clues. You're just looking for clues to get to know what's going on better. That is it. That's it. We're done. The podcast is over. (laughs) Well, you can't skip in. Yeah. And so <laughs> you, we can't skip in because in is nurture. In is going like, oh, okay. So for me with the whole like really liking to feel capable sometimes of something, it's like, it's the same fucking reason that I carry all 15 bags of groceries, you know, inside the house. I will not be taking two trips. That is unreasonable. That is unreasonable. <laughs> unreasonable but what is reasonable is me stacking my arms up full of bags you know one of them breaking like every yeah (laughs) but like and what I will say is like so what if that is a ridiculous thing if when I get in the house I feel like I just fucking crushed it you know like why don't I get to feel that way why can't I feel that way sometimes it's not a it doesn't mean that I can't be in relationship with people it means that I like to feel capable and sometimes Feeling capable on my own is an okay thing to feel. So it's like, so noticing, okay, I have the desire to feel capable. I want to do this by myself. Okay. Okay, great. Let's nurture that then. What could you say in order to make this a safe thing for you to do by yourself? Could you maybe ask for like, hey, can I try for another 10 minutes and then will you check in with me if I still haven't gotten it yet? You know, like how can... 
how can that part of me be nurtured? What I just recognized and have allowed and investigated, the clues, found some clues. How can the clues be nurtured? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a um, client this week and we were talking about like the desire for more ease in life. And they are also in a phase of life where they have reconnected to a regular movement practice and want to maintain that and then they also want to explore more fully their creativity and like create structures around that and um and those three things were just feeling a little bit like disconjointed right like creativity ease movement kind of like um Mm -hmm. boxes to check off right and so a question that I asked was like okay cool like I know that ease feels like a really important quality that you want to cultivate in your life and you have started practicing this movement and that has become a regular uh like routine for you and what's still kind of missing is like the structure around the creativity is there a time of day that you could that it feels best for you to move that actually gives more ease of access into your creativity whether that's after you've created in the morning you move to then be able to move on into your day or vice versa you do some physical movement in order to get the creative juices going like how can these pieces of life work together to foster more ease instead of it being like I've got to fit all these things in and and remember to be ease and it feels kind of like that (laughs) like the nurturing I have to force all these things to happen and also like the nurture the nurturing (laughs) with ourselves feels kind of like that yeah that creative problem solving of like okay well all this exists so like none of it's bad and like how can I reframe it for myself in a way that gets the needs met and also yeah like like I don't know leads to living a life the way I want life to like look and feel Yeah, and it's like um, when when we talk about compassion, one of the first things that we mention in kind of like that compassion is repatterning. And when you think of like repatterning, also what that is is the process of reparenting yourself. And so I find like a lot of my like cohort of friends and stuff is like we're in – maybe our early 30s, and for the past couple years, we've been in the practice of going, all right, well, I'm kind of my own parent now. So what kind of person do I want to be to myself? And is it the kind of person who says, um, everything should be a lot easier than it already is, and you definitely have to have a movement practice every day, and also don't forget that you're supposed to be being creative alongside all of this? Like, is that the kind of voice that I want to wake up to? Or is the kind of voice that goes like, hey, Katie, how you doing? What are you thinking about today? What would feel good to you today? Oh, my gosh, you want to move your body today? Cute. Let's figure out a way to do that. You know, like, oh, you saw something that was beautiful and you want to just draw that or, like, reflect some of those colors back to you. You know, like, wow, the openness that allows those things to, like, naturally come through feels a lot more compassionate and also uh, feels a lot more like, they're actually going to happen. Like, it feels more hopeful. Mm. More possible. You know, like, more possible, yeah. Like, I'm actually going to move my body if I'm like, oh, I want to, and so I'm gonna. Like, oh, my God. What a revolution. Instead of, like, the CDC says you should. So <laughs> of all my favorite Instagram influencers, you know? Like, yeah. 
And it also, like, just hearing you talk through that, right? It's, like, the second option, like, sounds like living. And the first option sounds mm-hmm. like, like, I don't know, roboting? Like, like... <laughs> Major pain. <laughs> just doing? Forcing? Pushing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't know. I just feel like maybe I had a compassionate moment for our my parents at least is like the the way that we often like treat other people especially often I think I guess no I guess it's probably everybody but the way that we treat people who we see their potential and we want them to do well you know like I remember a thing in ballet class it was always like I remember I had this teacher who was really very harsh on this one girl in class he was more harsh on her than anyone else. And one time she called him on it and she was like, you're just, be- you're being mean to me. And he was like, you are the best one in this class. And so you are getting the most attention from me because I want you to be the best. And I just kind of remember thinking like, that's not what you brought out in her at all. And like now imagine, like the rest of us feel like shit now. Like it's not working. So she's not honored by what you've just said. Mm-hmm. She's hurt that, and I'm hurt. We're all hurt. And you're pissed. What do you mean? You know? Mm. And that's so much. So I think there is that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, it feels like, yeah, like beating somebody into being the best version of themselves just isn't it. It doesn't work like that. And I think, I know that for myself, and I think that as a whole, uh, we do that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Right, that's what like all the shooting is and stuff. It's like, or like the prescribed, like this is how my life should go, or like this is what it needs to look like, or if I get a degree okay. in this, then I have to do this, and like all these things that we're just literally like being the hardest ballet teacher mm-hmm. on ourselves because we do know that we mm-hmm. want some, like we want a life that we're proud of, right? Like we see the potential in ourselves, but then it's like, mm-hmm. wow, that's exhausting, and it doesn't lead to success, it doesn't lead to fulfillment, it doesn't lead to full expression it's why new year's resolutions don't work because then people think that we can it's why weight loss doesn't work you know and like don't even get me started on like diet culture and anti-fat bias and weight loss as like a whole podcast episode in itself but like we are just fed these lies about how we have to treat ourselves in order to feel well honestly you know and it's just like, you, we can't willpower ourselves into it. Mm-hmm. If you hate playing the piano, no matter how much you practice, you're going to hate it. It's going to feel clunky the whole time if you hate the way the piano sounds. You know, but like, if you love it, and you've got some show coming up that's really important to you, that you want to do well at, you're going to do it. Well, and that, there's a difference between like, the discipline that's required when there's like, a discomfort versus uh pushing because to prove something Mm -hmm. yes totally yeah the dis the discomfort is something that can be nurtured and is a point of growth every single time but the forcing isn't what the discomfort is the discomfort is the narrative that says you're not a good person until you behave like this mm-hmm. or until you look like this or until you sound like this. 
the discomfort is what Tara Brock would call the trance of unworthiness. And the trance of unworthiness says, like for me when it comes to wanting to feel capable, the trance of unworthiness says, um, like you struggling, um, you're not allowed to struggle in front of others because they don't like it, so you have to let them help you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Coupled with, and also you're not allowed to speak up for what you want and what you need because you're too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and how, like, you you all listening, like, you can feel the difference in those energies, right? Between, like, uh, when it is, like, external versus internal that kind of like forcing and then also when it's like uh just a a a discomfort that's like meant for you to be with and like work through because it's something that you want or desire you know like you know what it feels like to have the difference you know like you know the difference between like it feels good for me to take a walk around the lake across from my house and there and there still might be resistance sometimes depending Mm -hmm. on whatever the time of day but like that discomfort is different than me forcing myself to run three laps around the lake every day, which I don't yes. enjoy. Yes. And afterwards, when you after you do something like run three laps, when it, you don't enjoy it, you're not connected to with, I feel better after I do this, so I'm doing it for my mental well-being or whatever. Like when you're just forcing yourself to do it for some random external reason that some that somehow you've like grasped onto as a thing that you need. Yeah, that doesn't ever. And then afterwards, it's like maybe sometimes you feel a little bit better after running three laps because that's just the nature of running sometimes. But also like for me, generally not, you know? Yeah, I think this is like something to do at home, you know, is like start to notice, start to notice these like nuanced, subtle differences in like everything that you're doing, you know, like who's it like for whom, according to whom does it feel mm-hmm. good? Is it leading to the life that you want to live? Is it compassionate for yourself? Is it compassionate truly for others? Um, mm-hmm. And then that gives us, you know, like in the self-study practice, we have been through seven themes. This is the eighth theme. So like you have the practice of the themes and uh, the cultivated qualities that of course are always worth coming back to, but like you've, you've been paying attention to those things. So now sprinkle in the compassionate element and just start to notice like, okay, cool. I've like worked really hard on these themes, um, and really like cultivated them. So now though, how, yeah, according to me, how do I want this to work together? What's the most compassionate way to move forward? How do I integrate for myself? Not because of what Kate and Ruby say, not because of what I'm supposed to be doing or whatever, but because this is how these themes get to express in my life. Like this is what I want it to look and feel like. Yeah. And there's no body who has experienced compassion in a way that is right or wrong. So like if you experience compassion, you know the nuance of was that, am I experiencing compassion right now? And there is a nuance to it, right? Because like sometimes like, yeah, we get in these patterns where it's like we've learned how to not be treated well. And we've learned to take that as like, 
oh, I am being treated well because this is how I've always been treated. But also your body knows the difference, Mm -hmm. at least somewhere deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so maybe you already know what that feels like or you're ready to start listening for that. So start listening for that. Yeah. And start listening for that by recognizing it, allowing it, investigating it, and nurturing it. And... Um, like I did this practice one time around, um, it was when I was running the gym and I was having regular shame spirals around ignorance. It was ignorance for me as a trainer, ignorance as somebody who owns a gym, ignorance as a thin white woman in the fitness world, just like ignorance in general. And what this literal practice offered me was I recognized I feel ignorant. I allowed the hella discomfort that it is for it to settle in your body that not only do I feel ignorant, I am legitimately am ignorant about some things. Um, uh, allow that to sit in my body. Um, I investigated it, okay, like, what am I believing? What are all, what am I believing about ignorance? And I was believing all this, like, you're bad because you're ignorant. Uh, you're stupid because you're ignorant. You should probably crawl in a hole until you somehow are not ignorant anymore. Like all of these things. And then, and then I was like, okay, I'm hearing all those stories, but let's like neutralize that. So like, I, it, all of those things are just stories around ignorance. Um, And they are cultural stories. You know, we say ignorant, like it's like a really bad thing to be. And, and then it was like the nurturing part was like, okay, what is like, what would help? And it was like, it would help if I got some education, if I was regularly in my, in a knowledge building place around these things that I feel are very important. And that I also recognize and I'm ignorant about. So then I just like got to reading You know, and there was like a sense of like softening into that sort of like education. I like took classes. I showed up for workshops. I signed up for trainings, like all of this stuff. Um, Because now when I realize that I don't know something, instead of all the stories coming up that say like, I'm bad. Now what I know is like, oh, I don't know anything about that. Can you tell me about that? Or like, what do you know about that? That is making you feel however you feel like tell me more and now I get to now instead of I'm ignorant and unworthy which was like the trance of the unworthiness now it is um I'm ignorant and capable of learning and doing better like I have so much proof of learning and doing better and I'm proud of that and that is literally something that that specific um reign of self-compassion taught me so it's not it's not like the nurturing isn't always like, oh, sweetie, you're doing great. You're doing great just as you are. And there's not a single thing wrong with you. You know, like that hurt inside of the shame was like, can we do something about this, please? And it was like, actually, yes, we can. So, yeah. Be a little more self-compassionate. Yeah. Try it on, you know. Try it on. 
Self-study program gives you the skills and techniques to explore your feelings, identify your needs, set boundaries, and communicate clearly and compassionately so that who you want to be aligns with how you show up. The self-study program offers a container for inquiry and self-discovery. It's a place for you to land. When you give yourself a framework for accountability, you open yourself to the possibilities that are awaiting you. The self-study program is a group coaching curriculum that fosters autonomy, yes and thinking, and meaningful connection. We do it together as a reminder that we are not alone. May you be happy. May you be healthy. May you be safe. May you be free. And may you be compassionate. Until next time, thanks for being here.